Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Having a Blast podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Devlin. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about a wonderful story in my life, an amazing thing that happened back when I was 18 years old. Let me just set the scene here. So the year was 2002, May 7th exactly. I just looked up the date in Bonner Springs, Kansas. I was fortunate enough to go see the legendary Pop Disaster Tour. Okay, so Pop Disaster Tour, it was a big event and there was a lot of buildup to it. So the Pop Disaster Tour was the tour in which Green Day and Blink-182 in the year 2002 decided to co-headline and go on tour together with the equally amazing and legendary band Saves the Day and Jimmy Eat World opening. I remember they were doing press on MTV. I remember they did like some sort of press conference where they were talking to Carson Daly about it and about how it was going to be this big event and they were both really, really excited about it. I think what's interesting about this particular time period is this is halfway the halfway point between Green Day's warning album to American Idiot. So in a lot of ways, they were kind of on the downhill as far as their fame was concerned. Obviously, you had millions of diehard Green Day fans still in the world and it made sense for them to tour together with Blink but they were definitely losing popularity. Blink-182 was definitely the more popular band of the time. Enema of the State had come out not even three years earlier and they were still experiencing a ton of success from Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and Green Day had just put out a record warning that wasn't selling as well as their previous albums had sold but nevertheless I think both bands were excited to tour with one another. Clearly Blink was inspired by Green day and so yeah i was pretty excited about the tour i was excited that jimmy world and saves the day two up-and-coming bands at that point in time were opening so it was fantastic tours for both of those bands and probably did a lot for their career so i had every intention of going leading up to it i was in a band at the time called game time and game time's drummer he had purchased tickets way in advance for the pop disaster tour and he purchased two front row tickets and i'm pretty sure those were expensive tickets I'm not exactly sure how much he spent on those, but he bought one for himself and one for his girlfriend at the time. I remember it was maybe two weeks before the show and Gabe and his girlfriend unfortunately decided to part ways. They broke up amicably, I believe, if I'm recalling correctly. I remember we had a weekly band practice scheduled and I remember him saying, hey, I've got this extra ticket. Do you want it? And I said, of course. Green Day is one of my favorite bands. I love Blink. I love Jimmy. Let's let's do this thing. You know, I want to see Jimmy World open for these two bands. I want to see these bands co-headline. That sounds great. So he very graciously and kindly gave me his additional ticket. And we knew that our bass player had also purchased a ticket for the standing area in the front row as well. So we knew he would be there a couple accompanying us and being there with us and it was going to be a big deal and it was at Sandstone Amphitheater which is an outdoor amphitheater in Bonner Springs, Kansas which is basically Kansas City, Missouri. It's right on the state line, right near the state line. There's a speedway out there now. It wasn't there then but this is one of the bigger, more prominent, more well-known, more established outdoor amphitheaters. It still exists. It was there, I think they started having shows there like in the 60s or the 70s. 
70s. I remember my dad talking to me about how he saw his loudest concert ever there. He saw Ted Nugent play at Sandstone in the late 70s, and Ted Nugent was so loud that they literally banned him from coming back. He wasn't allowed to come back for like a couple decades or something. So we decided to go. It's May 7th, and we go, and at this point, they've kind of changed the way they have arranged how seating and standing areas are at Sandstone since then. It's not even called Sandstone. It's called something else. At the time, the front row was just a tiny sliver right in front of the stage where you could probably fit anywhere between probably 300 to maybe 400 people. And then right behind that, you had exclusive seats. So you had some seating that was a little bit more expensive, a little less expensive than the standing area that was the front row. And Warp Tour would always come through. And this is the area where the people would stand in front of the seats. They had this big outdoor stage. At Warp Tour, they would just cut it in half so the bands could play. And one band would play and then right next door, the band would play. So we were in the standing area. And of course, it was exciting. We watched Jimmy World play and it was incredible. They had an amazing set. Right out of the gate, I knew that they sounded really good live because it was really loud, but you could just tell that they were very tight. And sometimes it's difficult to play well outdoors just because the sound travels all over the place. But we were so close that it just sounded amazing. At this particular show, Green Day had been switching off from the final headliner every night. So there were some nights where they would play before Blink and then there was some nights where they would play after Blink. I'm guessing they were alternating. At this particular show in Kansas City, Bonner Springs, Kansas, Green Day played before Blink-182. So that was kind of strange to us because at the time, even though Blink was experiencing more popularity at that point, I think Green Day still had considerably more singles and they had been around. I mean, Dookie was just a massive success in the 90s. So it was interesting to see them play before Blink and that's what happened. They came out and they played before Blink and we weren't we weren't sure who was going to be playing first. I remember thinking, this is odd but okay, whatever. I'm going to see both of these amazing bands that I wanted to see. I'm going to see both of these bands that I love and at that point I had already seen both bands before so I didn't really care when each played. I knew they were going to have about the same amount of time in their set. And so Green Day comes out and of course they're amazing and they're just blazing through their set, playing all the hits, playing all of their most well-known songs. They're playing lots of songs off of Nimrod, and they're playing songs off of Dookie, and they're playing songs off of Insomniac. I remember them playing 2000 Light Years Away, and when I was a very young kid, I was a huge Green Day fan. Obviously, if you listen to the Dookie episode, you can tell I'm a huge Green Day fan. When Dookie came out, I had a friend who had video recorded onto a VHS tape the Jaded in Chicago performance that they did, that they recorded on MTV, and he he gave that tape to me. I'm not exactly sure why he did, but maybe it was just because I was a huge fan, but he gave me the tape. And I remember I used to watch that performance. I used to watch that tape almost every single day for an entire year after school. And I just loved watching them perform. I mean, that performance is on YouTube now, so you can watch it for free, but it's just an incredible performance. They just blaze through all the Dookie songs and they play some old songs as well. This was like 94, right after Dookie came out, they taped this performance and put it on MTV. But I remember, distinctly remember that they played the Operation Ivy cover, Knowledge. And I remember watching the performance where they literally bring someone up from the crowd to come up and play this cover with them, play the guitar chords for this cover while Billy Joe just sings. And I saw this tape maybe a hundred times, just so many times. I would literally put it on in the background when I was a kid. In my bedroom, I was lucky enough to have a TV and a VCR and I would just watch this tape over and over and over again. 
halfway through Green Day's set at the Pop Disaster Tour, Billy Joe says, this is the point of the set where we're going to pull some people from the crowd up on stage to play a song with us. And I thought, holy shit, is he going to do it? Are they going to do it again? Are they going to perform the Operation Ivy cover? And at that point, I had already I had already known how to play that particular song. It's a really simple song. It's three power chords, and that's it through the entire song. They covered it for their first record, so I was learning a lot of their songs when I first started playing guitar, and I just knew exactly how to play this. So it was like a cue. I immediately knew what Billy was doing, and I immediately knew that I had to get up on that stage and play that song with them. In the Jaded in Chicago tape, he's only asking for a guitar player to come up and play with them. But at the Pop Disaster Tour, he announced to the crowd that he wanted to bring up not only a guitar player, but a bass player and a drummer. So he wanted to pull up three members of the crowd to come up and basically make a makeshift band right there to to do this cover that he sings. And so he's asking for a drummer and he starts pointing to people in the crowd and people are raising their hands and people are going crazy. And he goes, you get up here. And so he finds his drummer young kid works his way through the crowd hops up on to the massive stage and runs back to trey cool and trey cool hands him the drumsticks and he starts showing him how to do the song and then billy asks the crowd for a bass player and so the bass player of my band nick he's standing next to me he's going crazy he's raising his hands i really want him to be picked because that would just be so cool and he's a larger than life personality it just would have been really amazing to see him up there but for whatever reason billy did not pick my bass player my friend nick to come up and play he had already found another bass player another person in the crowd to come up and play bass and i think it may have even been a female at that point the crowd participant walks over to mike dirt mike dirt then hands that person the bass guitar and he's showing them how to play the song the three notes just over and over again and so then i know it's my turn it's my opportunity and i'm going to try and fight like hell to get up on that stage and play that song with one of my favorite bands of all time and that was just my mission at that moment as i was thinking of this you know i knew exactly what he was going to say he was going to ask for that guitar player he was going to start pointing to people in the crowd i remember distinctly somebody in the crowd in the jaded in chicago tape that i had watched over and over and over again they had put up basically the all fingers sign like the 10 like they'd been playing guitar for 10 years so they were completely well versed able to play the song billy knew that so he pointed that person out and then he had them get up on stage so i did the exact same thing i threw up my hands with the 10 sign i've been playing for 10 years and at that point i had been playing for 10 years so it just happened to work out i wasn't a liar and through the chaos of it all, my drummer, Gabe, he was standing right next to me. He hoists me up on his shoulders. So I'm now on the shoulders of my drummer in the center of the closest area to the stage, the standing area, and I'm throwing up that, that 10 with both hands, and I'm just waving my hands in the air. Billy Joe looks directly at me. We lock eyes, and he goes, you, you've been playing for 10 years? And I'm shaking my head violently, fervently. Please, please pick me. Yes, I've been playing for 10 years. I'm shaking my head up and down. And he goes, okay, you, get up here. And I thought to myself, oh, hell yes. This is what I'm going to do right now. I'm getting up on that stage. So I'm walking through the crowd. I'm just clawing my way through. I climb up the barrier. I climb up the stage. One of the stagehands helps me up, and I stand up, and I immediately am presented with this front man that I've admired and watched for almost a decade at this point. Immediately shake his hand. He goes, 
you've been playing guitar for 10 years? And I said, yes, I have. I was completely confident at that point. And it was difficult to speak. I was probably shaking, but he goes, okay, let me show you how to play it. And he literally puts the guitar on me, takes the strap off of him, puts it on me. And he goes, it's these three chords. He's kind of like pointing them at me. And I start immediately playing the song. I already know how to play. I start strumming it. At first I started palm muting it and he goes, no, 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 really strum, like strum as hard as you can. And so I start strumming out the chords and he's like, yeah, 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 that's perfect. That's perfect. Just keep playing that. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And he goes, okay, one second. And then he literally stands me up and he turns me towards the crowd. Sandstone holds about 14,000 people. That show was completely sold out. So the house lights, literally, it's kind of like a whoosh effect. They just immediately turn from the stage and just bolt right down on the crowd. So all of the lights just peer the opposite direction. And I see every single person in that amphitheater looking directly at me. <laughs> And I'm stunned. I can't even move. I'm just dissociating from my body or something. And at that point, he immediately turns me around. He immediately turns me towards him and plants a big old kiss right on my face. Yes, that is true. Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day kissed me on the mouth, kissed me on the lips in front of 14 or 15,000 people, however many people fit inside of the amphitheater known as Sandstone. The crowd just went crazy. So... I start playing the song as crazy and as magical and as out of body of an experience as you could possibly have as I was having at that point. I still had to play the song. So I started playing the song, started strumming it. Billy Joe starts singing. I know exactly how the song goes. I know when the chorus comes in. And this is just my moment to shine. You know, at that point, I've been playing in bands for probably four or five years. So I'm jumping all over the stage. It's a wireless system. I'm not connected to a chord. I'm strumming those chords as hard as I can and as emphatically as I can, but still trying to play the song with the two other musicians who were very good. And we were just doing the thing. And Billy Joe was singing and the crowd was into it. The house lights were on us and they were kind of following us around the stage. And then the song ended. I'm literally just going to town on that last chord, just that last epic power chord, just strumming away. And the song ends and Billy turns to me with his microphone in his hand, and he says, you can keep that guitar. What? <laughs> did this really just happen? Like, did this happen to me? It's really kind of bizarre because it feels like it's a movie and I'm kind of watching it while I'm outside of my body, especially now that I recollect it and kind of tell the story to people now. It doesn't really seem like it's real. It doesn't really seem like it actually happened, but it did, and it was one of the best moments of my life. And I still have that guitar that he gave me. It's a Mexican Fender Strat, maybe the ugliest guitar I've ever seen. It's dark brown and it kind of ombre is into black on the outside of it. It plays pretty well. There was a price tag on the back of it. I would imagine they bought it that day or shortly before that. It was for $699. So yeah, not a bad free guitar from the singer of one of my favorite bands of all time. And that is my story with Pop Disaster Tour. What was interesting too is what happened afterwards. I got to stand on the side of the stage by myself for the remainder of the show. So I watched Blink-182 from the side of that stage. And I was literally standing there holding the guitar. And out of nowhere, it just starts raining. It just starts storming. And the show is going to keep going because they've already started their set. 
it. And I, I remember being just a very light rain, and I'm not sure if there was thunder, but there was lightning off in the distance, and they just played their entire set, and it was amazing from the side of the stage. And I remember looking over to the crew, the tech crew that was kind of standing off to the side of the stage as well, and the behind Travis Barker, behind the scenes area of the stage, and they kept motioning with their hands to their ears every time there would be this pyrotechnic explosion. And they were basically warning me because I had no concept of when those big bangs, when those big explosions were going to happen. So they were trying to protect my ears. And I remember walking out of there, somebody escorted me through the back of the, the back of the stage area, where I would imagine is where they do kind of like VIP meet and greets and stuff like that and I walked out and one of the security guards was like you might need me to escort you all the way to the parking lot because you've got a guitar in your hand someone might try to take it and me being the naive young dumb kid I said no I'll be all right I remember walking through the parking lot and people were like hey you were the dude on stage that was amazing that's so cool you got a guitar and I was like I know what just happened yeah it was amazing I drove home and couldn't believe it and my sister was there she saw it this is a week before I graduated high school. So the next day I went to school and I remember walking down the halls and people were like, Hey, I saw you at the Green Day show. That was amazing. So yeah, great story. I love telling it. I love the fact that it happened. I'm not worthy. Still have the guitar and I still play it occasionally. I've played many shows with it over the years. And that is my 2002 pop disaster tour story so i hope that was fun i hope that was a a fun walk down memory lane if you went to that show or if you went to any of that tour if you happen to see saves the day open that tour feel free to drop me a line please drop me a line i'd love to talk about it you can hit me up on instagram at kyle underscore devlin underscore underscore that's d-e-v v V as in victor l-i-n underscore underscore Uh, yeah i'd love to talk to you about it because that was a great tour probably will never happen again but pretty incredible that it it happened and it's something that i'll never forget i'll take with me as long as i live all right i hope you guys are are having a fantastic day and i hope you guys are listening to your favorite records because now more than ever i think we need the joy of music and we need to escape the hardships within our reality and it's good to have waves of nostalgia healthy nostalgia every once in a while it's good for the brain so hope you're listening to your favorite records hope you're having a good time be well and i'll talk to you soon